Okay, so today we'll be studying Romans chapter 12. Uh, and as we make our way through the chapter, you'll see it's filled with instructions on how to live your life here on earth. Uh, there are many things that we encounter um, in our life here on earth that make it very difficult to live here on earth. Uh, just the very manner of living our day-to-day -day life. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, just the very manner of living our day-to-day -day life. Um, can distract us from what our true purpose on earth here is. Uh, the world tries its best uh, to change our way of thinking, to alter our sense of acceptance, and alter our lives um, to get us away from, again, what our true purpose is. And uh, this chapter has a very special meaning to uh, my family. Uh, several years ago, we decided that this was going to be our family chapter. Um, we read it several times and it's just so powerful and, and all the words in it and the, the meaning and, and everything is just so awesome. Um, we decided, hey, this is going to be our family chapter and so Romans chapter 12 uh, is our family chapter and, and we read this chapter quite often uh, as, a, as a family together out loud to help renew our minds of how we're called to live here on earth. So... Um, we'll get started here, and chapter 12 is actually a turning point in the book of Romans. Um, in the previous chapters that Mike shared with us, uh, the main emphasis in the book was why we need a Savior and how we can accept Him. However, this chapter begins uh, to deal with how a Christian ought to live their salvation. There are many practical points to daily Christian living, which begin with chapter 12 uh, and continue through the remainder of Romans. Uh, and as we continue to work through the book of Romans, and specifically, particularly chapter 12 and on, uh, it's important to note that salvation uh, is through God's grace only and not our works. Uh, the world will tell you, hey, you have to earn this, you have to work for this, you have to do this. Uh, if you're not a good person, you're not going to go to heaven, uh, things like that. And there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It's a free gift from God. And so from Romans 12 uh, through the rest of the chapter, it's really going to talk about that. And, and like I said, we'll get into that uh, just a little bit later. Um, but having your salvation, part of your natural life is wanting to live a life that's pleasing to God. And um, that's just part of our natural living, which is, is a good thing. Uh, and this is exactly where Paul picks up uh, in Romans 12.1. Uh, but before I get started in, in 12.1, uh, we've been working our way through Romans. I'm just going to recap the end of chapter 11 here real quick, just so we can kind of uh, catch up to where we are right now. Uh, in chapter 11, verse 29, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, meaning they cannot be taken back. God offers his free gift of salvation, and he will never take that offer back. It's there for anyone who wants it, to accept it. It's just there. Uh, nothing, like I said, nothing we have to do to earn it. God just offers this free gift uh, for us, and all we have to do is accept it. Verse 30 says, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. 31. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. This is Paul referring to the people of Israel reminding them that even their own disobedience can be wiped away through God's mercy. Um, having a hard time understanding that, some people 
think I've done all these bad things. There's no way that I can be forgiven of what I've done. I've done horrible things, bad things, thought bad things, done bad things. Uh, and Paul is just telling them, no, you can, it can all be wiped away. Uh, it's God's grace and mercy, which is, again, sometimes hard for people to understand. Uh, how can somebody love me when I've been bad? How can somebody love me and give me something free like this when I've not been good, when I've done these things? And so Paul was just emphasizing to them, it doesn't matter. God is, it's his free gift, and uh, all this can be wiped away. Uh, from verse 33 through 36, which is the end of chapter 11, um, Paul makes several uh, kind of rhetorical statements uh, about God, and they're not bad. It's just kind of funny the way he's saying it. And it says, um, and he, um, in, in verse 34, he writes, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Now, obviously, nobody knows what God's thinking, and nobody is going to be in a position to be uh, God's counselor or to offer him um, suggestions. Now, I'm sure we offer suggestions to him during the, ga- during the day. God, please, uh, can you help me with this? Can you please fix this for me? Can you please, whatever. Uh, but that's not really the counsel that it's talking about. It's just saying God is God and Yes, he will listen to us, but he's in charge and he's in control and he's going to take care of that. Uh, Verse 35 says, Or who has first given to him and it shall be be repaid to him. Which again, like I said earlier, we can't repay God for anything he's done for us, for his grace and mercy that he shows on us, for his salvation. We can't repay him for that. We can thank him uh, continually and we do as a family. uh, But there's... We don't have to repay God. There's nothing that we have to um, work on to obtain something to give to God to pay him for our salvation. He's done that already, expecting nothing in return. Uh, And the final verse here, uh, 36, which is pretty self-explanatory, it says, For of him and through him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And I love how it's, it's not... There's not a long list of specifics here. It's just saying that this is an all-encompassing statement. Everything exists and happens because of him, God. He causes all things to happen and is in complete control of every situation. Situation. Uh, and for me, this is very comforting. I'm glad I'm not in control of things. I'm glad it's not up to me how everything works. Uh, I'm glad that I can look to my Lord and Savior for my day, for everything that's going on, uh, for what's going to happen, for what has happened, bad, good, whatever. Uh, I'm glad that he is of everything and in everything. Um, I'm glad that it's not my job because I know I would not do a very good job. (laughs) And Jesse, you're laughing back there, and I know you're agreeing with me on that. It's, uh, um, uh, It's just a huge weight off your shoulders to know that it's not your responsibility to make everything perfect and happy and awesome all the time. It's just not our job. Um, The Lord will take care of everything uh, in his perfect timing and his perfect way. Uh, Okay, now to chapter 11. Uh, This chapter is split into three sections. Um, The first one is being a living sacrifice. The second one is service to God. And the last one is how to live your life for Christ. So we're going to start with the first uh, section there, and that's, um, like I said, the living sacrifice. Uh, Paul writes in verse 1, and says, 
I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And we're going to start with that first uh, word there, a sacrifice. Everybody knows what a sacrifice is. In the Old Testament, uh, sacrifices were unblemished and pure. They were offered as offered to God as atonement for our sin. Since Christ died on the cross for our sins, we no longer have to offer any physical sacrifices, which I'm very thankful for because if you've read in the Old Testament how that process goes, um, you, if you're squeamish a little bit, it can be you know a little hard to do and having to do that all the time. But once uh, God sent his son to die on the cross for us, we don't have to do that anymore. He's done that once and for all. And that, that sacrifice is, uh, was his son for us. And so we don't have to do that anymore, thank goodness. Um, the, um, but because of his mercy, his free gift to us, he calls us to be a living sacrifice. Uh, that is our daily offering of our lives to him. He describes that there also um, how he wants our sacrifice to be. God wants our sacrifice, our life, to be holy and acceptable to him. And you might think, wow, that's okay, that's a tall order. Uh, I'm, every day I need to be holy and acceptable. Um, yes, that's what he wants. Um, I will be honest and tell you I'm not holy and acceptable every day all the time. <laughs> uh, there are times when I'm not, and uh, I struggle with that. And, um, but I'm, again, I'm glad for his mercy that, hey, Okay, I understand today, this instance, whatever it was, I got upset, frustrated, whatever. Uh, you know what? Okay, I can step back and, and God, through his mercy, hey, that's all right. Let's do better now. From here on, let's go. Um, but like, just like in the Old Testament, uh, the sacrifices uh, were unblemished and pure. God wants us to be. He wants us to be unblemished and pure. Um, the final phrase here, and I love it, it says, which is your reasonable service. Paul is saying here, God, through his grace, uh, and not because of anything, anything that we did or could do, freely offered his salvation to us, and all we have to do is accept it. That's it. There's no um, thing you have to work at to get to that point that you can accept it. It's just a free gift that he's offered to us, and all we have to do uh, is accept it. This is eternal life with him with Christ, with God. Uh, and all he asks in return, simple, is that we live a holy and acceptable life for Christ. And I would really have to agree with Paul here, that is a reasonable request. He's offering us eternal life forever with him in heaven, and all we have to do is, while we're here on earth, live our lives for him, live holy and acceptable. And I'm thinking that is a pretty good trade-off, last time I checked, so... <laughs> Um, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a very important caution for Paul. Part of our problem sometimes as a believer is that we just don't recognize how evil and contrary to God's ways the world really is. The world is controlled by the enemy, and he'll use anything, everything, to distract us, uh, to get us to alter our living sacrifice life to God. 
Uh, he'll use peer pressure, government, cultural differences, friends, family, movie, uh, movies, music, internet, anything he can think of to brainwash unbelievers and believers alike. He'll use any of that. Uh, his, the enemy's number one goal uh, is, to, is to get us to do anything other than live a holy and acceptable life uh, for Christ. He doesn't care what that looks like. Doesn't matter to him as long as our focus is not on living a holy and acceptable life for Christ. He's fine with that because we, him distracting us from what our true purpose here on earth is his goal to keep us from telling others about Christ, sharing our faith, uh, being servants um, uh, to people and, and things like that. And so any chance that he can get us off track is fabulous. And he doesn't care what track we take as long as we're not on the holy and acceptable track. Um, and so Paul warns us not to be conformed to this world. So in an example of being conformed, let's take water for instance. Take water in this liquid form, pour it in any container you want. Right now I've got some water here in this cup. And when it came out of the faucet, it went into this cup and now it's in the shape of this cup. Water is being conformed to this uh, cup shape. But if I take water, put it in the freezer, freeze it, and get an ice cube, if I take that ice cube out and put it in the cup, for a while, the ice cube is gonna retain its shape. What, what, no matter what shape it is, uh, whether it's the, the square ones, the rectangle ones, the long skinny ones, whatever, you put ice in the cup and for a while, ice is gonna retain its shape. And so kind of like us as, as believers, we're in this world, you know, um, once you, after you're saved, once you become a believer, you know, you're really strong. Um, you just got so much energy uh, for Christ and you're on fire and everything. And so you're kind of like that ice cube. But eventually, if you leave that ice cube in this cup, eventually the ice cube will conform. It will melt and turn into liquid and it will conform to the shape of this cup. Um, and the same way as us as believers, if we are constantly in of the world, around worldly things, um, influences, negativeness, and stuff like that, if we're around that all the time, we can be drawn to that shape um, or those things. Um, and that's, that's a sad thing, but it's kind of a, <coughs> a realistic way of life. Um, if that is what you do, if you constantly put yourself around negativism, negative people, evil things, even though you've been this way of thinking, you will gradually shift over that. But on the flip side of that, um, if you are around positive people all the time, if you're around other believers uh, and you are taking time to sing songs, to read God's word, to spend time in prayer, to fellowship with other people, if you are constantly doing that, then your life will show that and it will retain that ice cube shape. Not that I'm trying to say, please be ice cold like ice cube. But retain your shape uh, as a believer and don't let the world melt you uh, into the, uh, the water that it is. And one last thing I want to use about the ice cube thing. Put an ice cube in a cup. Think of it as yourself. 
when you put the ice cube in there, it doesn't melt instantly, right? You put the ice in there, it doesn't instantly turn to water. It slowly melts over time. And that's how we could be um, as a believer. If we aren't, like I said, praying in your word, fellowship with others, you will slowly melt away. And it's not an instantaneous thing. And there is a song, and I forgot who it's by. I thought I think it's Casting Crowns. Um, and, it, and it refers to that. You don't instantly become, and I'm going to say bad for lack of a better word, bad or evil. You don't instantly become a bad person. It's a slow fade over time. It's not an instantaneous thing. And so think of that as you are um, trying to keep from conforming to this world. That's just one kind of example um, that I thought of. But my point with the ice cube um, is we have to be ever mindful of our surroundings so that we can stay holy and acceptable to Christ. Verse 2 encourages us to keep conformity from happening by renewing our mind. By doing this, taking time to read God's word and spending time in prayer, he will help you have a clear understanding of what his perfect will is for your life. And I've got just a few uh, examples here. I've got four examples of just some things you can do to kind of help um, to continue to uh, renew your mind. And here's a, a couple of things here. Uh, first one is take time to daily, take time daily to pray. It's very important to do this as this is our communication process with God. Just take time to talk to God, and it does just talk to Him. There's no um, set way how you have to pray. Um, he just wants us to talk, even if it's five minutes a day. Just take some time to pray, and you might be thinking, "Well, five minutes—that's that's not a whole lot of time. That's not very much time at all." Um, but think of it this way. If right now in your life you're not spending any time in prayer, none, five minutes is way better than no minutes or zero minutes. Um, and so think of it that way. And, and like I said, there's no rules governing how you have to pray. Um, God just wants us to take time to talk to him about our needs, our hurts, our desires. Uh, but it's also to take good to take time when you're doing that to thank him for what he's done for you and for what he's going to do to you. Um, but don't think of prayer as some kind of a duty that you have to do. Think of it as a gift. Uh, God is going to work no matter what. Whether we pray, don't pray, pray five minutes, pray no minutes, God is going to work. But the neat thing um, about prayer is that if you spend time communicating with him, then you'll get to see when he does work, you'll get to see that. And you'll get to put that together. The prayer and God's action, and you'll get to put that together, and that will really start to strengthen your faith. Uh, and that's pretty neat when that happens. <clears throat> like I said, there's no rules to governing how you pray, uh, but if you have time this week, you can Google it, and you can Google anything, but you can Google ways to pray, uh, and you'll, it'll give you a long list of, of ways you can pray. And I'm not talking about praying standing up, praying sitting down, praying on your knees, praying on one foot. I'm not talking about that, that kind of how to pray. Um, but specifically, like, um, for instance, if you're in a group uh, of people, you can pray and um, one, way, one person can just bring up uh, something that's uh, important to them, an issue that's going on. They can just bring it up and pray about it. And then everybody in that group, they'll just go around and take turns and they'll offer up a prayer about that specific thing. And then somebody else offers up something and then everybody takes a turn praying about that. 
uh, that's neat because it not only encourages you, but it really kind of binds you together as a group and lets, lets God know, hey, this is important to our group. This is important to this person, and this is what they're struggling with. This is what's uh, happening. And so as a group, you can kind of bring that to God. And so that's, uh, that's a pretty neat, neat way. But there's also, uh, if you look it up, there's eight ways to pray, 21 ways to pray, uh, just a whole bunch of different lists. So if you get time, check that out. Second one is read God's Word. Uh, take some time each day to read his word and give yourself the spiritual food it needs to make it through the day. Uh, just like your body needs real food, um, your body needs uh, spiritual food also uh, every day. And when you're not feeding it, it's hungry and it's telling you it's hungry. Um, and if it doesn't find, if it doesn't get that spiritual food, it's going to try and find some other kind of food to eat. Your body is just made that way, and it's going to try and find something else to eat. So whether you're feeding it spiritual food or not, your body's going to eat. And so you want to be focused on feeding it uh, spiritual food. And hopefully each one of us takes some time each day to spend in God's Word. But if not, if you're not doing that right now, it's okay. You can start today. Start tomorrow. Uh, if, you want, if you're a Monday person, I have to start everything on Monday. If you have new... Patterns or habits, start on Monday. Uh, but you can start today also. Um, some people follow a read the Bible in a year plan. Um, and you don't have to do that either. But uh, if you don't know what to do or how to do it, um, like I said, back there on the back, we have these daily breads. And they're divided up. they got the date on here and everything. And there's a scripture there and an encouraging word. Um, and so if you don't have a plan, I would encourage you, grab one of these on your way out. There's a bunch of them back there, and you can um, just spend some time each day reading that scripture and just reading that word of encouragement and a little time praying and um, start snacking uh, on God's word. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, if you don't have one, this is a great place to start. Uh, the third one is fellowship with believers. Everybody likes to hang out, share stories, eat food, um, with friends, family, stuff like that. Um, and sometimes your friends are good influences, sometimes they're not. Sometimes your family is good influences, sometimes they're not. Uh, but everybody likes to hang out and, and uh, like I said, eat food, share stories, stuff like that. But it's real important also to spend time with other believers. Uh, and you can spend time with other believers eating food. Uh, we've done that. <laughs> Uh, sharing stories, things like that. That's a good, uh, a good time. Um, but this time, that, the, the time you spend with other believers uh, can be used for building up and supporting one another. Um, share your concerns, prayer requests. Um, you can discuss passages you've read uh, in Scripture or in your daily bread. Um, and I do not work for them or give any kickbacks <laughs> or anything like that. I just, it's a neat thing. Um, but uh, you can share passages you read that encouraged you, or you can share passages that you've read that maybe have puzzled you. You're like, hmm, what does this say? I don't understand. Ask somebody else, because they may have gone through that same passage before and talked to somebody and got an understanding, and they can say, hey, here's what I understand when I read this, or I didn't, I was the same way. I didn't understand what I meant. I asked somebody, and here's what it said. So it's just a neat way to... Uh, strengthen yourself and strengthen others 
Uh, and when you fellowship, it does. It helps build up the church body to be a stronger, tighter group. Uh, it can be very effective. Uh, can be a very effective spiritual force for Christ. Uh, the fourth one is share your faith. This is one aspect of our lives that may not reveal itself uh, every day. Uh, and I say may because I really think it depends on what your outlook is. If you're looking for opportunities, you're going to find them. If you're not, you're probably not going to find them unless it hits you upside the head or runs you over in a truck or something like that. Um, but whatever your outlook is, if you're looking for opportunities, I think they'll be there. Now, I'm not, necess not necessarily talking about going door to door, knocking on doors, and talking to people that way, which some people do that. Um, I don't have the gift to do that, <laughs> but some people do, uh, and that's fantastic. But if we're taking time each day to actively seek out opportunities for us to share God's love and what His plan for our, and what His plan for salvation is, if we're actively seeking those out, uh, I think we would be surprised at how many opportunities we actually do miss. Um, when I pray in the morning, I always add this little phrase uh, when I'm praying, and it says, God, please give us, meaning me, my family, please give us um, opportunities to tell others about your love and help us to take advantage of those opportunities. Because um, he will provide opportunities for you to tell people, share his love, show his love, um, it will be there and you can see it. And sometimes for some people, that's right where it stops. They can see the opportunity and they're thinking, man, I should probably go say something. I should probably do something. I should probably, that's going to be there. And I'm sure we've probably all been in that position before. The next step is taking advantage of that opportunity. God's providing it right there. He wants to use you. Let him use you. Take advantage of that opportunity Step in there, uh, and the more you take those opportunities to share your faith, the more confident you'll become uh, when those situations come up. And in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, sometimes when you go to share your faith, you're going to have good experiences, and you're going to have difficult ones. Um, sometimes people will call you names, make fun of you, tell you you're crazy, um, be mean, hateful to you. Um, that may happen. Um, and that's kind of a part of, uh, of sharing. You know, uh, things happen to uh, Jesus when he, was, when he was here on earth. Horrible, bad things. But he didn't quit. He kept taking the opportunities to share, to love, to show mercy, and he wants us to do the same thing. It can be hard sometimes, but when, when it is successful, it is a fantastic, awesome feeling. And even if you don't think it's successful, you're still sowing seeds that may take a little while to grow, and then eventually um, you, you may be able to see the fruits of that. But... God's called us to do that, and he wants us to do that, even if it can be difficult sometimes. And uh, verse 16 and 17 in 1 Peter 3 <clears throat> refers to this, and I'm going to start with 15 again. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone 
who asked you for the reason, asked you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And then here's the kicker. I love this last part. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Peter is encouraging us, saying, don't worry about what's going to happen. When you see the opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity. Don't worry about what they're going to say or do, because it's all for the cause of Christ. God's will is for us to do good and to take every opportunity to share our faith. Um, but whatever you do, I don't want you to, um, of these four things that I've talked about, I don't want you to focus on necessarily the quantity uh, that which you do or don't do, um, whether you are good at praying, you think you're good at praying, not good at praying, uh, reading your Bible, fellowshipping, uh, sharing your faith. I don't want you to focus on whether you think you're good or not good at it um, because that is not the point and that is not what um, God is calling us to do. He wants us to do it. And whether we think we're good or not, he's gonna use us because even if we think we're not good at praying, not good at reading our Bible. We don't do it all the time. We don't take every opportunity. God uses and will bless our imperfectness. And so just think of it that way. Don't worry about, okay, it has to be, I want to share my faith with somebody. I see this opportunity. Okay, I have to do it this way. I have to, you know, don't focus on that. You share God's word with them. Talk with them. Take an opportunity to pray with them. God will give you the words and he will give you the peace and um he will take care of that situation. Let him, and uh, don't focus on how good or not good you're you're at any, how good you are at any of those things. Okay, so we've done the um, uh, first section, so let's jump into the second section, which is our service to God. Uh, this section begins with verse three, which says, "For I say." through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly as God dealt to each one a measure of faith. Paul is prefacing uh, the rest of the section uh, by warning us not to think too much of ourselves. If we take time to start thinking how good we are, hey, we're awesome at this, I can really do this. If we're starting to put time and effort into focusing on how good we are, we're taking time away from telling ourselves how good God is and what good he can do for us. And so Paul's just saying, be careful. Don't think of yourself too good. Um, it will get in the way. You'll get in the way of God, and that's not what our focus is here. Um, But Paul's about to uh, explain the different gifts that the Holy Spirit bestows on us and how the members, believers, uh, are to work in cooperation with each other while we're using our own specific gift. God gives each one of us a spiritual gift and deals out to us just the right gift, just the right ability, and just the right amount uh, of that gift. Uh, and he bestows that on us. Not everyone will get the same gift, or even the same amount uh, of gift as another believer. Think of it like your body. You have arms, legs, hands, fingers, eyes, toes, things like that. If all of our body parts did the same job, 
it would be very hard for us to get even the simplest of tasks done. Uh, whether it's open a door, taking a drink of water, anything like that. If, if all of our parts did the same thing, it wouldn't work. And so in, in that frame of mind, we want to think of gifts that the Holy Spirit bestows on us differently to work in uh, cooperation. Uh, just as the body has differing, different functioning parts, so do believers of the same body or church have different functioning gifts. In verse 4 it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Verse 5, So we, being many, are one, in, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Meaning, um, while we are separate individual people, together we're one body. We're one church, we're one body, and everybody has different, uh, different gifts. The, the church is a unified whole, um, one body, but yet we are distinct within that body. We're individual members. Um, if the body of Christ, I'm sorry, in the body of Christ, there's unity, but not uniformity. Meaning, we are together as one group, but everybody has different jobs. They have different abilities, they have different skills, different talents, different gifts that the Holy Spirit has blessed us with. Okay, so now for the fun part. We get to move on to what these gifts are. Starting in verse 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, in teaching verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation, how, um, I mean, sorry, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, but before we get into these specific gifts, uh, it's important to remember that Christ has given us gifts in different amounts. Uh, in verse 6, it specifies that when Paul says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. God knows our abilities way better than we do. Um, he knows what we can do, how we can do, and what we're going to be able to do. Um, we might think we do, um, but he knows way better than we do. Uh, the only way that we know what our gift is, is through constant communication with him taking time every day uh, to spend in his word and praying to have good communication with him. <clears throat> uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us our spiritual gift. Uh, and we know this because later on in Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul is describing the spiritual gifts in verse 11 where he says, but one and the same spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now we know that, now that we know where our gifts uh, come from, let's find out about a little bit more about what each specific gift is. Uh, and we're just going to work our way through them. The first one is prophecy. Uh, prophecy isn't necessarily a foretelling uh, in a strictly predictive sense. It's more accurately um, foretelling the heart and mind of God, which may or may not include a predictive aspect keeping in mind that God may give us something to say to an individual person 
uh, or to a church body. And this may stretch our faith a little bit sometimes. But something important to remember, if, if we can't prophesy in faith and trust that God has really spoken to us, uh, we really shouldn't do that at all. That can be very dangerous if people just go around willy-nilly saying, uh, this says the Lord, God said this, things like that. If people do that, that can cause way more harm uh, than good. If God is, if the Holy Spirit has bestowed this onto you, um, you know, you really need to focus on taking time each day to understand what He wants you to say, how He wants you to say it, when, where, and all those opportunities. And He will lead you in that way. Uh, the next one is ministry. Uh, ministry has in view uh, the broader picture of simple serving in practical ways. Uh, this can be done with time, money, uh, or other talents, um, things you can, you're good at fixing things, good at making things. Um, some people are good at breaking things so other people can fix things. Uh, but whatever that is, um, you may be blessed with this. And there's a lot of people that are really, really uh, good at this. And um, it can really bless a lot of people uh, when they're able to use that gift of ministry. Next one is teaching which is tied to instruction. This is the God-given ability to communicate the truths of the Word of God. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher, pastor, youth pastor, whatever, those people are taking God's Word and they are communicating the truths of God's Word to His people. Uh, the next one is exhortation, which this is not a word I don't think that we use every day or even hear every day, and uh, it almost sounds a little bit illegal, um, so it sounds kind of weird, but um, exhortation um, encourages people to practice what they've been taught. So that you have your teachers, they teach the truths, and exhortation is actually putting into practice what you've been taught. In Titus 2.9 it says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. And I'm just going to stop here real quick because I want to emphasize it says, it's talking about the faithful word and being taught. So it's saying, hold fast the faithful word that has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and convict those who contradict. This is, why, this is where we use God's word and what we learn to defend God's message when others try to distort it or tear it down. When people are saying things that aren't true about God's word, about the scripture, this is where, hey, you've learned this, you've been taught this, you know, hey, what they're saying is not true, and you can say, hey, what you're saying is not true, because God's word says this. Not what you're saying, it says this. And so that's taking what we've learned and, and kind of putting it into action. Um, and, that's, and that sounds like it's in a, a negative way. It's not really in a negative way, it's... it's it's when the enemy is trying to distort God's word. And he will do that every opportunity because if he does that a little bit, then people will, some people will see the whole Bible as false, as bad. <clears throat> so if he can get some people to just think a little bit of it is wrong, then they may just say, okay, well, if a little bit's wrong, the whole thing's wrong. It's bad, it's wrong. But on the flip side, um, of exhortation, God has also taught us to love one another, to show grace and mercy. 
and he wants us to put these into practice. These are learned characteristics, um, and we can use these for encouraging, for uplifting, for motivating, and for comforting others. And so that's the other part of uh, exhortation. Another one is giving. Giving refers to someone who uh, has an avenue through whom God provides resources, whether it's uh, material resources, monetary resources, and this is for his body, for his church. Uh, And this is to be done liberally. So if you see somebody in need, got a flat tire or whatever, and, and okay, so how much does a tire cost? Tire costs... I don't know, maybe eighty-five or two hundred dollars if it's a big truck tire. Um, okay, so do I? Can I? Do I really want to give them two hundred dollars? Are they going to spend it on the right thing? Are they gonna? Are they going to use it on something? Else? If God's giving you that gift to give, it says in there, give liberally. Give it to them. Let them use it for what hopefully is intended for. But if not, they have to answer to God. And so, giving um, again is another gift from the Holy Spirit. Leading is the next one, and this is the ability to motivate and mobilize the people of God. This must be done with diligence. Uh, it's easy for leaders to become discouraged uh, and feel like giving up, but they must persevere if they're wanting to please God by their leadership. Um, and it can, be, it can be discouraging. If you're constantly, constantly, constantly leading and maybe not getting any feedback or maybe not spending enough time in prayer where God is just encouraging you and saying, hey, thank you for your service. Thank you for what I'm doing. Um, If people uh, are maybe making negative comments or they're not happy about this, that, or the other, you can get bogged down. And uh, God's saying, be strong, be courageous, be diligent, and lead. The last one here is mercy. And there's two kinds of mercy. Uh, there's instantaneous, I call it instantaneous mercy, uh, where we show we can show it for just an instant, just a fraction of a, a, a time, um, for a very short time, for a, maybe a single instance. Uh, and most of us encounter this uh, on a daily basis. Maybe somebody's sad. You go up, you talk to them about it, you, you encourage them, make them feel better. They feel better, it's over with, and then you move on. That's a, that's a short kind of mercy. That's, a, that's an easy mercy, that's an obvious mercy, and you can do that. It doesn't require a whole lot of time from you. It does require some time, but it's not a whole lot of time, uh, and it's not a whole lot of effort. A lot of people won't even take that opportunity, but that's a short, that's a short mercy, and that's not really what we're talking here. Um, this mercy is referred to, it's a spiritual gift of mercy uh, that is patient and compassionate to the suffering and afflicted. And so you're, and, but don't get what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't uh, show mercy to people that are suffering and afflicted. Yes, we can. Um, and we do that. I'm sure people do that all the time. Again, that's an obvious kind of thing. But this is, this is an extended, this mercy that we're talking about is an extended um, long time, seeing people through trials, tribulation. This is over an extended period of time to help them see their way through the healing process and to literally be the hands and feet of God. This is weeks, months, maybe even years of constantly showing mercy 
and grace to somebody and which can be, it can be draining on yourself. And so if you've been given this gift, the Holy Spirit will fill you with the energy and the knowledge that you need to help meet those people's needs. Because not all, not all people that need mercy is just for a short amount of time. Some people need it for a long time. And that is, um, that's a very strong and powerful gift that can be used. The gifts here that the Holy Spirit has bestowed on us should not be taken lightly. Uh, Remember, these are parts of our reasonable service that God has called us to do because of his free gift, you know, please, uh, and and Paul's referring to that. Here's your reasonable service. If you have a gift, use it. The Holy Spirit has blessed you with that. Use that gift. We've all heard of the the saying that 10% of people do 90% of the work. Um, we've heard that all the time everywhere, uh, at work, at church, wherever, if you're trying to get something done, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Um, but let's just think of it this way. If 100% of the body, 100% of our church, use their specific gift 100% of the time, just imagine that, think of that, and how awesome that would be. Um, sometimes we can feel insecure about what the Holy Spirit has blessed us with. But if we take time, like I said, to pray and actively seek God, say, hey, what have you blessed me with and how do you want to use me? Show me, give me an opportunity. I want to use what you've blessed me with for you. Um, Do that and talk about awesome. That will be awesome. Okay, we're in our last section here in this, the section that talks about how to live our life for Christ. Now, this, uh, this last section is, is awesome. And I'm not gonna break it down a whole lot because it is, it is pretty self-explanatory, but I am gonna touch on a few things. But before that, I just wanna read straight through this whole last section uh, because it is really neat. Starting in verse nine, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. And like I said, this is, this is Christ telling us how we should live our life. So, Kind of getting that mindset while I'm reading this. This is how we should live. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Saying to the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. I'm sorry. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own uh, own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And every time I read that, I just at the end I just think, Wow. 
that pretty much touches and covers almost anything that you can counter, any situation, good or bad, that pretty much touches on every single situation that you're gonna encounter on your life. And it's telling you, if this happens, do this, you know, right here. Uh, it's pretty neat. But the thing that I like about it is it, it, it's specific, but it's not specific. It doesn't go into a long list of, in order for you to be, uh, show love, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen, and if this doesn't happen, then you have to go back here, and if this happens twice, then you can skip over to this one. There is none of that <laughs> at all. This is God, God saying, here's how I want you to live. You do these things. You focus on these things, and that will help renew your mind. And if you do that, if you do that and set your mind daily on that, that will help you to be in the right mind frame when I want to use you and your, and your spiritual gifts that, that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with. If you've put these in your mind and you've actively tried to do these, then when it's time for me to use you, it will be uh, a very, very effective. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back through these just a little bit and touch on them, um, a couple of them here. Uh, in verse 9 it says, Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Now that's not saying um, to hate someone who does something evil or bad or negative. Don't hate the person, but don't like what they do. If they, they're a type of person that uses language that you don't like or they're hateful to you or hateful to other people, don't hate that person. God calls us to love those people and pray for those people. What they do, that's not what we're called to like and do. We don't want any part of that. But the person we're to love, but what they do, we don't want to. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. <clears throat> and we've all heard this one. Be, be kind and affectionate to one another in brotherly love. And this is, this is a part that um, the world really pushes. It says, or pushes the opposite of this. It says, uh, in honor, giving preference to one another. That's putting other people before yourself. Putting other people and their needs ahead of your needs. And what I'll tell you is the world is going to tell you to look out for yourself, look out for number one, take care of yourself, and don't worry about anybody else. They're on their own. Too bad, so sad. Um, but God's calling us to put them and their needs ahead of our needs, and he'll take care of us. Bless those who persecute you. Again, this is kind of referring back to the abhor what is, the, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's going to hurt. You're not going to like what they do, you, do to you, but pray for them, lift them up, bless them, love them. And uh, 14 also kind of refers down to uh, 20, which I'll tie that in just a second, but I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind about blessing those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Uh, don't set your things on things above. Don't think of yourself highly, uh, but associate with the humble. Again, repay no one evil for evil. So this is about the third time <clears throat> we're talking about clinging to what is good and staying away from evil. But 17 is referring also to not trying to get back at somebody. The world will tell you if somebody does something bad to you, you do something bad back to them. 
And when I was younger, I, I heard that a lot, not from my family, but from the world. Kids, uh, kids, friends, whatever, hey, they were mean to you, you gotta be mean back to them, you know? When I was younger, it was just kind of an even thing. If they do something, you do something back. Now it's even a step different. Now if somebody does back to you, does something to you, the world will tell you, do something back to them. But don't just do something what they did. You got to do it worse. You got to go a step above what they did so that they'll never, ever bother you again. Do one worse than they did. Um, and so it's just a gradual <laughs> um, fall in the wrong direction. And so this verse 17 is saying, don't repay evil for evil. That's not your focus. Don't focus on getting back. Um, verse 18, and I like this one, uh, says, if it, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. <clears throat> My wife has a saying, which is awesome, and she says it all the time, and it's great. Um, and it says, she's kind of taken that and, 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 and put it in her own words, and she said, be kind whenever possible. It's always possible. And if you think about that, it is. It's always possible. We choose what we say, how we act, how we look, our hand gestures, our face gestures. We choose what we do. It's not an accident. If I'm getting in a confrontation with somebody and I don't like what's happening, I don't accidentally say, whatever. That's not an accident. I chose to breathe in to form the, the words with my lips and to say whatever to them. It was a choice on my part. Um, and so the face, you know, if you, anything, all of that is a choice. It's not an accident. Um, and some kids will say, well, I accidentally said that. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> you, you said it. You may not have thought about it a lot, but you did. You said it. Uh, and so if it's possible, which it is, live in peace and be kind. Verse 20, and this is where I was referring back to the uh, bless those who persecute you. It says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, <clears throat> give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, one thing that gets somebody more than anything else, if they are trying to make you have a bad day, make you feel bad, embarrass you, Hurt your feelings. If they're trying to do that and they don't get that accomplished, they are very frustrated. They are very mad. When somebody's trying to get you and you do not give in to them, um, they get frustrated. And God is calling us, I guess, to frustrate them, but frustrate them with love. You know, don't repay evil for evil. Don't try and get back to them. Don't persecute somebody who persecutes you. Bless them. Love them. Don't repay evil for evil. Doing those things, or not doing evil for evil, blessing those who persecute you, doing those things, it will heap coals, um, I want to say it right, heap coals of fire on their head. Meaning it will let them know, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Stop doing that. Um, and for us to try and think that we can do something um, better, then what God could get somebody back at, that's just absolutely off the charts crazy. The best, person, the best person to take care of somebody is not me and not somebody who's even six foot eight, 295 pounds. Uh, it's God. He'll take care of them in his own way. Um, 
But think of it also this way. If they are trying to hurt you, hurt your feelings, be mean to you, and they see that you love them, if they get into a spot where they are actively seeking God and the Holy Spirit is touching them and they're seeking God, they're going to remember, okay, hey, this person, I was trying to be hateful to them and they showed me love. I need to go talk to this person because I'm, I'm, I'm actively seeking God here and I remember that interaction. I'm going to go talk to them. They'll come find you, talk to you, and you can take that opportunity. Yeah. And they may even say, hey, remember when I was a jerk to you, whatever? Yeah, yeah, no big deal. Um, water under the bridge, whatever. Hey, here's what God, you know, pray with them, things like that. God will give you that opportunity. But it's hard to do that because when you're mad and somebody hurts your feelings, you want to get back at them. Uh, let God take care of that. That's his job. 21 says, um, and I love this verse, do not be overcome by evil. And this is a point blank statement. It's not saying, well, there's some things that can get you down. There's some things that are pretty bad and they're going to take over. This is saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Good meaning love them, pray for them, show them mercy, show them grace. Um, feed them if they need food. Give them something to drink if they need drink. You do all those things, that's what God's calling you to do. Um, use what God has given you and shown you and overcome evil with grace and mercy. <clears throat> what i like for you guys to do this week, just take some time and read through Romans 12. It's only 21 verses. Read it through a couple times, a couple times a day, a couple times during the week. Like I said, it's only 21 verses and it's only gonna take you a minute or two. Um, but that minute or two that you spend renewing your mind will help you fill your temporary home here on earth um, with pictures of our eternal home, our mansion, our living, eternal living that we're gonna have in heaven. So take some time today and go over that. And my hope today uh, is that you heard some things that will help you with this life here on earth to show you that there's nothing that we have to do or can do to deserve God's grace or his mercy, but also to show you what gifts or to start looking at what gifts the Holy Spirit has given you so that you can use him, use those for his glory. And I want you to remember this Romans 12. Use this to renew your mind and don't be like the water and be conformed to the, the cup, but use the, the Romans 12 here to renew your mind and not be conformed to this world. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, again, I want to thank you, Lord, for everyone who's here. Thank you for your word. Um, we just ask, Father God, that you'll use this, Lord. Um, use this to help us understand how you want us to live our lives. There's a, a bunch of instructions there uh, that are fantastic and that will help us in every situation we encounter. Just help us to take some time this week to put that into our hearts and our minds so that we can use that to live our life for you and to give you the glory and honor for every situation, good or bad, no matter what's going on. Lord, just help us to use that to renew our mind, Father. <clears throat> just pray that you will bless the remainder of this service as we sing another song and the rest of our day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.